Hey everybody, welcome <laughs> to Good Question. This is a show where we get to hang out and talk to you about the important things within the context of the worldview that we hope explains life in a more satisfactory way. My name is Chris Childs, and I'll be hosting us through that. You're all part of the show today, so you get to give yourself a quick, quick round of applause, and then we'll go to the wide shot, because with me, there are more people. We have, to my left, Cara Dom, Latin consultant for the New Century Edition. Hi, Curtis. Great to have you here. Thank and you. then to her left is Chris Dunn, our community manager at Off the That's Left right. Eye. And it is with great pleasure that I also introduce another panel member whose name is Karin Childs, and she's a writer for Swedenborg and Life. Hey, Karin. Hello, everybody. Great to be here with you. All right. So that's... Um, that's just about it, unless you guys start asking questions. You know, this, <laughs> this show only works if you, in your chat, type in questions right now. We'll try to answer them live. Like and subscribe if you don't mind while you're watching. It doesn't cost you anything, and it does help us in terms of our YouTube credibility and reach. And so if you ask a question and like and subscribe, it might help more people see the answer to your question. You'll be super question famous uh, <laughs> online. Okay, uh, this is not... This is not necessary. This whole like intro <laughs> monologue that I'm doing. Let's let's do some questions. All right, great, great to have you guys here. Excited to do it. What's the first one? Jan asks, "What will be our greatest worry or concern in heaven?" This sort of sets the scene. If you're here for your first time, okay, what are they talking about in this show? Okay, heaven stuff, and now we're getting into a very specific question about heaven. How could you ever know that? These, I'm gonna don't click away. Because that's actually right. We are going to go that specific and that strange. But that's the Swedenborg experience, and that's actually why I love getting to have these discussions, because we're talking about something like an afterlife that is nuanced and tangible. And and we want to know, I'd be able to ask the questions you would ask if you were actually faced with the situation. So uh, heaven is a different state of mind, a different place, uh, but do we still have things like concern? How different is it to be conscious and have a psyche there as compared to here? All of you. Assume, let's just say we get there, you know, but what, what are you going to, what, what keeps you up at night ish <laughs> night state? No, no twilight state there. Uh, uh, yeah, I can start. So, uh, when I think of heaven, I you know Swinburne talks about heaven being union with the Lord and, you know, angels, yeah. when they experience the greatest delight in heaven, it's this perception that. Like they are so in touch with the Lord's love and wisdom, and that that's just pouring through them as vessels. Um, but that's not always the case. There are different states, um, and these states teach us about ourselves. Some of the less wonderful states, comparatively or respectfully speaking, is like uh, when angels go from a morning state to a night state. So a closeness with the Lord to a, a perceived distance from the Lord, and that's when an angel distances themselves yeah. from the Lord. Um, and so the greatest worry is, is feeling that disconnect, um, because that is, that connection is what makes heaven. But oftentimes it teaches us something. We can get back on track from those lessons. It's kind of like a, a labyrinth. You know, your goal at the end is to get in the middle of that space, to feel like you've completed that task, which is, you can see that as like union with the Lord. But in order to get there, sometimes you have to go a little bit out. Yeah. But then eventually the process leads you back in through a series of lessons to that very spot where you want to be. Well, and pretend we have a graphic of a labyrinth up here because that would be a great visual illustration. <laughs> so you're, you're talking about, hey, even though the center's here, why am I going this way? Well, it's because there's walls every other way. We move providences uh, scooting us through here, so that's great. Okay, Carl, what do you think? Yeah, that's what comes to mind for me too. And Swedenborg says that... Um, the Lord is the sun of heaven, so the, therefore the morning when the sun's coming up mm -hmm. and, and the, the heat of the sun is the Lord's love, the light of the sun is the Lord's truth, and so we're all basking in that in the early part of the day, and then that recedes a little later on, and so, yeah, I guess there would be some sense of, ah, I'm losing it, I'm losing mm -hmm. it. I also just wonder, um, the kind of thing I worry about here anyway is, am I treating my friends okay? You know, uh -huh. <laughs> and I wonder if we're just going to be. I always wonder, like, are my friends getting more powerful than I? That's, <laughs> that's, that's a good one, too. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be yeah. all 100% soaked in love for the neighbor or if if that would be something that would be similar to, like, an evening state where we're just, like, doubting whether yeah. we're doing as good a job as we could. I don't know. Well, and that, Total that, speculation. That, that, that should be the name of this show. 
total, total speculation. speculation. <laughs> it actually would be a great program. But this is sort of that eternal uh, line of, you know, where where is it um, un, unnecessary, self-critical, judgment, mm. worry, the kind with which the hell Swedenborg describes is going to stream into our minds. with, And when is it the sort of re- repentance, reflective, oh, I've actually like willingly uh, I feel regret over harm that I may have caused and want to rectify it. But I certainly think that one, mm-hmm. that, sh- that would pop up, you know, time mm-hmm. to time uh, in heaven because it's not all, yeah, it's not all just we've, there's no contrast at all. I mean, there's still relationships, they're still hanging out. And talking yeah, about and if we have an eternity to be growing and learning, then there must be, you know, room for improvement. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Karin, can you improve on our current answers? I loved all your answers, and I just want to build on them. Um, I think heaven is a relationship with God at its core is what it is, and from that relationship to be able to then have relationships with others. And so a concern would be, like any concern when you have a relationship, to want that relationship to be working well and cleared of blockage. And so you would have concern if any blockage comes up like any uh, Swedenborg says that still the angels are aware that there's still traces of the ego, nothing like we <laughs> deal with on earth, but there's still things uh, in their as of self that can get in the way between them and God and their, their relationship with God. And like one of you was saying, uh, just to go through fluctuations about that is, is to help get those blockages out of the way. So that's okay to go through those, morning and evening cycles um, that that gets, just like with relationships that you can think of on earth, you go through a little struggle in your relationship, you come out of it with better understanding. And um, so it, it's good to go through those cycles. But yeah, I would think that would be a concern, like angels so want to be close to the Lord, close to God, um, in order to um, have this relationship be able to uh, affect them and fill them and and give them what they can share with others. Um, I'm remembering Swedenborg talking about the phrase um, fear of God. And um, that phrase can on a very low level be sort of like actually fearful, like fearful I'm going to get into trouble with God if I don't obey the rules. But on a very high level, it's the kind of fear where you don't want to hurt the one you love. And, um, fear of God on a very high level is this is somebody you love and you don't want to hurt them. Not that God is like vulnerable to being hurt, but um, hurt uh, the um, exercising of God's will of, of goodness to all. So you don't, you don't want to get in the way of that maybe as a way to think of it. So I think concerns about blockage, anything in oneself that might get in the way of this divine love flowing through into me, through me, to others, um, that would be a concern in heaven. Yeah, it's, so it's, appreciate everybody's thoughts. It's it's not housing, this is a concern in heaven. Mm-hmm. Swedenborg actually goes through and lists how housing, sustenance, clothing, those sorts of things are provided via the common good. So you, you have, that's not the concern. Here we have that as this perpetual mm-hmm. kind of carrot to keep us moving or whatever. But there, that's not the concern. Yeah, you're not as concerned about being a, a target of some kind of, you know, act of violence. From what are you concerned about? So I think you're 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 all right. The the, the state of mind that makes heaven heaven, that the degradation of that in any way. I also wonder about Swedenborg talks about heaven as the core of it in some ways is usefulness mm-hmm. and being able to do mm-hmm. something that helps people. And that sounds really abstract, but we're talking about job, like a function in society. So I do wonder. If there is, if your function is something, and let's say you're solving some difficult task, you're trying to uh, keep, you know, certain part of hell from destroying itself or some part of the human race from doing the same, and it's very difficult and things maybe aren't going well, Mm -hmm. I wonder how much is there a concern both of anguish for the people you're trying to help, but then also if you feel ineffectual, does that sap your ability to feel useful mm-hmm. and, and then to be happy? So I wonder, can you get stressed out by work in heaven? And I would think there's gotta be some element of that because the, the, the function is so important and the desire to do it is, and the tasks are so meaningful. Probably at, at times that can be- Interesting thought. Not going yeah. so great. So a lot, a lot of things to worry about. 
<laughs> when we're worrying about what will we worry about <laughs> in heaven. So hopefully we can add a, a meta layer of worry into it. Okay, just kidding. That's a, it's a great question, mm -hmm. and, and because the more we can kind of picture what is the state of mind of heaven, the more we can get there, and the state of mind has to be realistic and, mm -hmm. and have this sort of labyrinth uh, path to it. So mm -hmm. let's do another one. Let's do another one. That was great. Lavender Rose, hey, Lavender, <clears throat> asks, is religion to help us through this life or to prepare us for heaven, are people surprised that their religion was wrong? Hey, this is something Swedenborg talks about like crazy. <laughs> the, is, is religion this thing that evaporates once you get to mm. the, where religion is telling you about, which is the life after death? Or, and what happens, there's multiple religions, so they can't all be as accurate. What, what happens here? Uh, what do you guys, what do you all think? Uh, Chris, I guess it's been a while since we heard from you. So. Yeah, well, uh, my, my initial thought is that, yeah, religion is here to help us through this life, here to prepare us for heaven. And that preparation comes in kind of the, the acknowledgement that you aren't God, but there's something outside of yourself. Um, mm. And that in that space, uh, you can be humble enough to seek growth, to yeah. become a better person. And it's about the quality of your kindness. You know, is that kindness coming from uh, a genuine place? Is it coming from a uh, desire for reputation or gain? Um, so in a sense, religion teaches us qualities that can help transform our heart. And you can find that in most religions, right? It's just yeah. a, it's a, almost a universal blueprint. Um, so that's not wrong. You're never going to find out that part of it is wrong, which Swedenborg does argue that that is of, of functional religions, mm -hmm that people who are following in good faith, the core of that transfers very well, regardless of the facts and uh, th you know, sort of trappings of, of information you put around it. The hard part is what you're talking about, mm -hmm. and that travels really well. Yeah. Um, but so what, um, Karin, let, let's kick it to you this time. Um, what else is going on with this, this question? Yeah, I think religion is a tool and as we see on earth, a tool that can be used very badly or very well. It's basically, you know, just like you could use a hammer to build something or to clobber somebody with. Um, it, religion is just a way of organizing guidelines that are something higher than yourself for a greater good than just yourself and um, give you some kind of code of conduct to live by. And Swedenborg says, um, anybody, like all you really need to get on a, a path that will keep going towards heaven is um, a conscience of some kind that you answer to. And so even if your conscience has some um, incorrect ideas in it, at least it's something that you are putting above your, uh, your just impulses. Like I just feel like doing this, um, but I know it's, it's not right. So just that exercise of, um, having your impulses not be what drives your whole life, but you have some, um, some kind of moral code. And so religion on earth provides that, you know, there's just very various religions that are suited to different um, groups of people around the world and different types of people. And, um, and then I think when you cross into the afterlife, um, what we would think of as organized religion, um, I get the impression that, like the higher up you go, the ne the less it, uh, I mean, my, my opinion and kind of what I see in Swedenborg is on the, it's, I think it's more on the lower levels of, of heaven or the world of spirits that it, um, kind of seems a little bit more like people are still kind of practicing a religion, like, um, like they did on earth. And then as you go up, it becomes a, just a little less, like organized religion and just a little more like truth of life, you know, just like what is wisdom about life and how to live life um, and would probably be less and less like um, what we would think of that we see in, in organized religion on earth, but more about real conscience, real truth, real, how do you live life? How do you love people? What works? And um, as far as misconceptions go, any uh, Swedenborg witness that anybody that really has uh, goodness in their heart, really wants to help the neighbor, really wants to serve God truly, is not going to have a hard time letting go of misconceptions. It's more like what's hard to let go of misconceptions is when you've 
become attached to them in a little bit more ego way, like I'm right and other people are wrong. And no, this is how it is because that uh, supports the way I feel like <laughs> doing things. Um, that's harder to let go of. But if just uh, the, the more humble the heart, as far as like, how can I serve? How can I help people? What do you really want, Lord? Tell me. Um, that's going to make it much easier to let go of any misconceptions. So it's it's a tool. We do the best we can in this life. We all have misconceptions. Um, but that goodness of heart and humbleness of heart and desire to serve will will allow it to, you know, us to clean it up as far as the concepts go once we cross over. And it's fascinating that Swedenborg, if anybody isn't familiar, describes, as Karma was pointing out, on the lower levels. So this would be the places you're coming to initially in the afterlife. Um, there's religion is running rampant. Like there's religion all over the place. You might think there'd be some afterlife where there's no such thing, but people there bring their minds and hearts with them. And it, as anybody who does any kind of, is sociology where you study how people behave? And yeah, that, okay. I think so. Like anybody who's studying sociology, I would assume knows that religion gets to be a really deeply rooted thing mm -hmm. that is very hard to change people out of and really affects what how people vote, what they, uh, by you know what they how they act religion is in there and just the body dying doesn't get it out of there so mm -hmm. for people will actually continue to practice religion and and or uh, we'll say to this second half are people surprised that their religion was wrong it seems like there's a policy of gradual um, soft kind of bending people out of ideas like even people who are in a religious system which Swedenborg is saying doesn't have as much accurate information in it about the actual state of the reality after death. People who are in that same religion are initially teaching them and and sort of working with them and it's it's all slow and, and there are even he describes different heavens of people with different mm -hmm. religions so that you can progress Maybe you get up to a level where it's all kind of everyone's ch chilling out together, but you can go up through this pathway that feels culturally familiar to you or whatever. There's a lot of, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to come meet you wherever you are kind of vibe to the thing. Mm -hmm. you know, so. mm -hmm. Any other thoughts, Carl? Yeah, I've got uh, two actual Swedenborg quotes come to mind. I forget where they come from. <laughs> you looking at your phone or uh, something? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one that says, all religion is of life or all religion has to do with the way we live life and the life of religion is to do good yeah. so the question is religion to help us through this life yes religion is about how you live your life and is it to prepare us prepare us for heaven yes because doing good is choosing heaven both yeah. now in this present moment the heavenly mindset as we yeah. talk about here and in the afterlife so that that little sentence, which I memorized as a teenager, all religion is of life, <laughs> and all life of religion is to do good. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just something you do. You got your records, and you're like memorizing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, absolutely, I see it as part of the the fabric. That's great. And also, there's a great quote somewhere in the Arcana that says it's talking about the different sects of of religion and the and um, the different kinds of labels of christianity and all yeah. that kind of stuff and he makes a point like if if people just dropped all those doctrinal differences and made love to the lord and love to the neighbor the core of their lives then heaven would descend in an instant to earth or something like that like yeah. if we just gave up our doctrinal arguments and made it about love there would be instant heaven on earth. And yeah. so that to me addresses that last question, which is that, what you said, when you get down to the core thing, loving the Lord and loving the neighbor and all the other stuff yeah. just evaporates. Okay, that's, that's fascinating. And it's given me two thoughts. One is, surprised that their religion was wrong. If we're talking about, let's say, that one of the major religious traditions has more sort of accurate tenets about the actual situation of, of reality and God and all that. However, what your religion actually is, is not really your belief system. It's, are you using that for love and humility and service or to be this little um, castle wherein you fortify your sense of superiority? You can have a religion that's more right, but you're living it 
worse that you're yeah. actually more wrong than somebody who has ideas that don't re reflect a reality that's mm -hmm. out there as much but are getting the are not missing the point of all of it which is this living and and love so that's that's interesting yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah that, great point. that you can be kind of um oh i'm right but I, I was wrong in how i was living right so i'm actually swedenborg talks a lot about that can actually be a much bigger stumbling block because you you build up this uh you attach these true principles to your f e evil heart you mm -hmm, know and mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. just causes a lot more work to try to get mm -hmm. that thing free i said there was two things um but i forgot the other one we'll leave it at one All good points yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay cool thanks so much lavender roofs and let's uh oh i did i was gonna mention you guys know about i'll give you a little quick style tip if you ever want to like uh, be fashionable and have something that's matching, what you do is you wear a color that is just a shade off from another color in two, in two ways. I'm just looking at my shirt and our look, and I didn't even think about this when I put it on, but it's like just as lightly clashing purple with that, and this is like clashing yellow with that. So well, Cardom and I are both black here, though. We're, yeah, holding, right. we're holding down the coordination. Yeah, no, so I'm just saying. Hopefully, this has been fun for all of you visually to uh, to have to deal with this static visual static here okay let's do the uh, the next question none of your beeswax asks is there a group waiting for us when we transition or a lineup mm. what's going on what what's it like uh, yes. in the other side can you slip through the death process and nobody really realized it do you wake up in a field or is it mm. like you're in some waiting room what's the what's the vibe when you make this most <coughs> transformational move that, that we really make so what's what's the answer well i i one of my favorite parts of the discussion about what happens after death yeah. is what swedenborg says happens immediately for every single person who dies which yeah. is that they go immediately to the highest most loving angels and they're just kind of in a bath of unconditional pure love Right. for a while so that sounds like a group that's waiting for everybody can i interject something yeah. when you said the word immediate i would say hey check out our show that we did recently the what to expect immediately after you die there's something like that what, what happens what happens immediately, what happens immediately after you what die? happens immediately mm -hmm. after, i'm sure it's something but it's something <laughs> close to that and that that expands vastly on what cardom just said but yeah continue. so um i don't know just that thought and i think about I love to imagine that that in itself just affects so much healing because so much of the suffering in this world is about people mm. not being loved or not feeling loved or not, you know, feeling yeah. like they matter or something. So to be just yeah. surrounded in this bath um, and you start there and then you trickle down to where you belong, where you can breathe, where you choose to be. Um, but that group. That's who I really hope is waiting for all of us. Sure. That's what Sweetmore says. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And that, that group is multiple layers deep. It goes to heavenly angels. And then as soon as we're ready to stir out of that, there's all the spiritual angels. Mm -hmm. And the, everybody you could want, you get all the chances in the world to hang out for as long as you want in that. But, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I think you said it well. The only thing I could add is, like, kind of what motivates us a little bit at Off Left Eye. You know? Like, we get... All these people in this community, like writing to us and like just asking questions or needing support or just wanting to connect. And so I liken, or I'm inspired by what Swedenborg talks about that everyone gets this angelic reception. Mm. And it provides me motivation to try to embody that for you guys, you know, for our fans, because we get what, 5,000 comments a month. And we put our hearts into supporting those things. You know, we really care about every single one in a way that reminds me, hey, we can learn about heaven in so much as that it can maybe help us live a more loving life. Right. You know, we get to do that for our fans here. It should be transferable. I and mean, we, we should be able to look at the structure in which the societies of heaven operate and try to emulate that to our capacity. I mean, that that's sort of the message of Swedenborg's writings is, I'm, or at least the spiritual experience parts of them is like, here's how it's going at, at optimum levels. There are places and ways in which you're not going to be able to emulate this, but there are other places where you very much are going to be able to try. So mm -hmm. try. So I, I like that is how do you, how do you uh, rubber meets the road there? Okay. Are we forgetting anyone? Oh, right. <laughs> Karin's out there. Karin, what do you think? <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, love the love the discussion so far. Um, what I'll add is I think that it it seems like these first stages when everyone transitions over with these very highest loving angels and um, tons and tons of love and everything. Um, it seems like it can be a sort of dreamlike state for a lot of people. It's it's beautiful and it, um, but and people might get to a point where they um, get into a little bit more familiar territory at, at some point. And I think, you know, kind of coming down out of that beautiful dream into a little more more grounded place where you can can start from. And I think that. Uh, God and angels are have such overwhelming love for every person, and they also have incredible respect for the comfort level of every person. And so as far as um, where people might kind of land when they get a little bit more awake, um, I imagine there is a lot of variety. For instance, if 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 you were somebody who just like, was not comfortable in crowds, I imagine there wouldn't be a whole crowd around you that you kind of wake up in. Um, there might be just one person that you love the most or what, you know, one very comfortable angel or, or it might be a group of, oh, yay, my relatives. Um, I think that will be very uh, customized as far as um, what would be most comfortable, even the setting that you kind of wake up into. Um, so it's, it's this wonderful combination of the, the most loving, beautiful possible um, environment and crowd that could help you cross over, but also just respect for what, what can you handle? What, what are you ready for? What would be the most comfortable way for you to kind of um, get your, your spiritual mind waking up and, and <laughs> um, adjusting um, just customized for you? So those are some more thoughts. Yeah, so um, we're talking about an instance or a situation that's happened, what, 100 billion times? Somebody dying? I was just looking at the human population mm. figures because somebody had been asking uh, on, on this channel, saying if, if there's more people alive today mm. than there ever have been in the past, what is it? But it's actually not true. There's been more, like 10 times more people have lived than are alive today, at least, or something. So this transition has happened so many billion times that for us to make any blanket statement about anything that has happened that many times, we're going to be way off. Well, there's going to be a lot of exceptions to that. So I would think that Swedenborg gives you, I think, something that is closer to the truth of that than just you stop existing. But there's certainly so much variation, and even have has that intake mechanism, whatever it is, changed in the last 250 mm -hmm. years since he was saying it. All this stuff, we, we want to give you, and it's the same thing when you read Swedenborg, take and value the, the particulars that he gives you, but understand that, that he's talking about life, and life is... Uh, more than you can fit into even those statements. So I always think it's, it's this interesting thing of, this, of like taking him exactly at his word and wondering, you know, how much how much of a slice of, of the totality is he describing there mm, in, in that moment. Point. But it's like a compass in the right direction, but there's going to be infinite variety. No two heavens are exactly the same because no two minds are exactly the same. So mm. I'd imagine the beginning of no two heavens is going to be exactly the same, which which touches on the point that you made, Karin. Okay, great cool. Great. Hey, let's... Uh, do a bunch more, but first, before we do, how do you think this happens? Like, how are we going to sit here and have multiple cameras and be able to talk for this long and, and pull things in? This, and we're not charging anybody anything for it, right? This whole thing is supported by donations from people like you. And if you want to be part of the engine that makes not just this program, good question, but everything on, off the left eye, even all the translations mm -hmm. happen, consider making a donation. You can now, there's a cool new way you can help us out, become a monthly giver on CauseVox. That is gonna help us know we can continue to make this programming and we'll have regular support from you. This is a little bit more on how you can be a part of the engine that makes this go. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, we depend on donor support to enable us to continue creating high quality programming. This season, we're featuring the opportunity to become a member of our community of sustaining supporters by signing up to give a monthly donation. 
If you've benefited from our content, please consider going to otlemonthly.cosbox.com to join the central network of people in the world who make our work possible. Our sustaining supporters are the backbone of what we do at Off the Left Eye. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every week around the globe. We couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks again. I know you saw us holding the signs. We really mean it. Mm-hmm. Everyone who has given, thanks, you did this. Good. <laughs> now <laughs> there's no way to take it back now. Okay, let's look <laughs> at our next question. This is from Janie Roberts, who asks, if we start out in one community, we're talking about a community in heaven, or in the afterlife, heaven, I would think, and then grow and move to higher communities, how do we end up with our deceased spouses if they die many years apart? Do you have these two... The thing is, like, go start talking into Swedenborg's ideas or into this report of, of life after death. There's just, I always feel like I have to explain what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'll just do that briefly. These two kind of core ideas here. One is a dynamic existence where you're constantly improving and changing and growing just like you do here. You, you advance in age and, and mental capability. There you do the same thing. But there's this other major tent pole of Swedenborg's description of the afterlife, which is that not all, but it can be that marriage relationships continue to be marriage relationships and actually grow infinitely more, just like you're always getting better individually, their relationship with with all kinds of friendships and everything, but marriages in a particularly core way can grow closer and closer and closer forever, and that you can be with your sweetheart uh, from here. But if your sweetheart dies 20 years before you do and they're moving up, how are you ever going to catch them? You're always just going to be like, uh, you know, so-and-so was here 20 years ago. So how, how do, what do we do? Because we don't want to, you don't want to have to worry. Not only are you grieving the loss of somebody that you love very much, but also now you got, you're worrying about where are they now? Are they meeting new people? What's going on? So mm. what's the answer? Uh, Karin, would you like to start on this one since I haven't quite given you that opportunity yet? Okay, sure. Um, Swedenborg says that while we're living on earth and going through our spiritual journey of just trying to learn and trying to grow and evolve and progress, we are moving upward in spiritual communities. He says we, we are already in the spiritual world. We are moving up as we grow in Uh, wisdom and humility and love and just as we progress as human beings as we just make our little progress and so it's not like somebody goes to the afterlife and they're moving up and we're just stuck down here it feels like it because our earthly consciousness really blocks awareness of a lot that's going on with ourselves Swedenborg says we are we are so much more expansive than we can have any idea of from our earthly point of view but we have all these levels and layers to us and those levels are moving up. We're actually existing in the spiritual world. So I think two married partners who have forged a connection between their hearts and minds in this world, if one goes to the afterlife and one is still on earth for a number of years, they are still progressing along in their relationship and their development together. Um, it's not one's getting way ahead or something because if if your minds and hearts got you know really connected um, in this life, uh, you're going to have that link still. And what the person on Earth is going through and and learning from is affecting the person in the afterlife, and what the person in the afterlife is going through and learning from is affecting the person on Earth. So. I think it's good to think of it as a still a joint journey going on, even though we, we can't be so aware of it, from, especially from the earthly side. I bet they're more aware of it on the um, afterlife side. And also there's no time in the afterlife. So we don't, you know, I think it just, uh, we have to account for that. Like it can seem like, oh, I've been here so long without my partner. He or she must be way ahead of me. but there's no time there. So it's just, <laughs> it, it, we shouldn't um, really factor that in too much is my opinion. <laughs> so there are some thoughts. Very good. Love it. Hey, does that uh, spark anything for, for you guys? 
I was going to talk about the time thing too. But mm-hmm. it, we can't even conceive of no time. So uh, we did just a news from heaven episode about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to watch it. No, don't. <laughs> Please don't trouble yourself. <laughs> but um, it's all about state of mind, and uh, rather than hours and yeah. minutes and days and years. Um, so I don't know how to think about that, but the thought uh, comforts me. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I don't get how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. Yeah. Because love lasts and love um, conjoins and love is real. So. Yeah. Not too bad, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Chris? Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's part of the divine design that, like, God desires that people that experience love between each other, that builds a bridge into eternity with two people that love each other can grow closer to God as this unit. And so if you experience that with someone um, and you truly have that heartfelt connection, uh, the Lord's whole divine design is set up that, that union between those two people in love. Even if someone passes before the other, uh, that's going to happen. That's, that's the promise of true love right there. So, yeah. uh, you know, God's on your side that entire time. Well, I, I like that because if you know, we can think from a self-agency position, like, for example, I, so, uh, oh, this thing is happening. I know what I want is this good state of, of closeness here, but that person's moving because of the just existential conveyor belt. So how do I remedy this? Sort of like us against the cosmos. Mm. But if divine providence is in every detail and and that that idea that we're going to have some kind of loving relationship that lasts forever we didn't make that up right we didn't make up love we didn't make up anything the god god made that up and god is the one implementing that so that's actually god's the the stuff that that is good any whatever it is this example anything that's god's priority We, we we feel some reflection of that but the same system that that had to permit the separation of people is the system that's keeping them together so it's all like, it's not like something happened and now we're doing damage control to get back to it this was just, there's an overarching only if the final condition is better than can be better than it would have been without it is anything negative allowed to occur in the first place so there's no way that you'd have this double whammy of oh something really sad happened where somebody you love dies and that makes it so you can't get mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a double negative that doesn't happen I know that's not what double negative means, but I like it in that. That's a double negative that don't not happen. Whoa. In the afterlife. It does happen. Okay. Does anybody have anything to add to that? Nope. Okay. Right. Moving on. Let's see the next question. Thanks so much. Matthew Bush asks, I was wondering how our thinking will change in heaven compared to the world of spirits. So we've got these two levels of the afterlife the world of spirits being where you first show up and you're still very similar to where you were but then you go through the sorting process and then you get into what you would call heaven both of those are places but they're driven by states of mind and heart what's the difference why are there these this distinction that was what was distinct enough that swedenborg late carefully labeled these two places mm. uh what's the difference what do you think what a great question. I've never thought about this. But the, the thought comes to mind that um, some sense of clarity and relief. Like, to me, in, mm. when you're in the world of spirits, you're still working things out. You're still, uh, you know, whatever the life review thing is, and you're getting a sense of how you affected other people, and you're figuring out whether... Yeah, uh, that's, I really meant that. Or, oh, I really don't want to treat people like that. Or yeah. You're figuring out who you are. Uh-huh. And um, to have all that like clarified, even though there's still room for eternal improvement. Again, I don't quite get it. But it seems like it would be like a, okay, okay, now I'm home. Kind of now, yeah. now I'm home. Now I'm in my mm-hmm. heavenly home and it's not a struggle anymore to figure out who I am or mm-hmm. where I belong. Right. I don't know. That sounds good. I, I mean, I would like to mm, feel okay. We're started. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're we're going. It's an as an active life from there, but things are have settled, or things are in order, or the foundation is laid, or whatever that feeling is. Yeah, um, that sounds so bad. Mm. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, it does sound great. I, I mean, 
in in heaven there's harmony it's like your heart and your mind act in unison with each other they're like yeah, friends right. and up until you know even now like we can have battles with ourselves that what we feel on the inside and how we act on the outside oftentimes at least for me are sometimes different yeah, yeah. oftentimes sometimes i don't know they, <laughs> they can be never when i'm working for off left eye though yeah right um but in <laughs> heaven it's like contract yeah that's right uh but in heaven it's just like holy smokes i finally had a process that could end up with me feeling harmony that the goodness inside of myself and the goodness I can then put forth from that place is just completely working together. Mm. I was just mm. reading uh, some mm. Swedenborg quote where he says, everyone, oh, maybe it was in news from heaven, everybody in heaven is focused on what is true for the sake of what is good. That that's the, the process, the point you get to and then you're in. Mm. So there can be all kinds of variation in there, but the baseline difference between world of spirits and heaven is world of spirits is you can be focused on something false for the sake of what is good sometimes and sometimes mm-hmm. you're focused on something true for the sake of what is evil sometimes you're focused on something true yes whatever they can but then once you snap into this lock into this focused on what's true for the sake of what's good which are both infinite so it's not like you're thinking smaller you're mm-hmm. just thinking at what's actually there then we're talking heaven uh, Karin, what do you think about all this stuff? Yeah, I agree with all that you're saying. And I think the, uh, the words clarity and harmony and relief, um, that incredible clarity. Uh, people who have near-death experiences just come back with so much um, like, oh, even if they can't recall it once they're back in their earthly consciousness, um, like, wow, it was all so clear how things are and you know what's going on and everything and the clarity about your own self like you guys are saying um will be such a relief because yeah on earth and and still in the world of spirits there's still that fluctuation back and forth as things are being sorted out like what do i really want what do i really want and the just to get that clarity about what you really do want (laughs) you know like and to have the um uh, Chris is talking about your heart and mind in harmony. And another way to think of it is your internal and your external, um, just that they're in sync. Finally, you know, you're not sort of having these sort of more outer cravings, but inside you don't know. And da, da, da. it's just like, Oh, what a relief and the peace and the joy of like, okay, I have clear direction finally. And my, my inside, feelings are matching what I can do on the outside. There's not frustrating limitations anymore. And yeah, just that clarity of not being such a mixed bag anymore, but having clear direction, um, clear ability to express what you love and what you want to do, you know, the incredible difference between an earthly level, which you're still on in the world of spirits and moving up past that confusion to clarity and harmony great i love it thanks matthew bush for an awesome question an excellent question a good question let's do another one kendall m asks did swedenborg ever discuss what the lord actually is and how it the lord came into being so i know at the beginning of secrets of heaven sweden i think it's there where swedenborg says from now on, I will be referring to the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as the Lord. So all across, I think that's the only place that I know of where he really specifies that. But So forever on out, he uses the Lord, I think most often, to talk about God and whatever he means by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Lord God, Jesus is Christ. The Lord yeah. God, Jesus Christ. So what, okay. What is it, and why is it, and what's going on? Can anyone tell me? Well, I uh, <laughs> think that w- you, you stumped us. Um, no, I, I'll open this one up. Um, so, I mean, the Swedenborg talks a lot about uh, the importance of having, and there's a million technical ways you can go at this. There's different times when he'll be talking about the term the Lord and what its meaning is and everything like that, but there is certainly this idea, the importance of having a, a visible or a graspable anchor 
from which we can approach the invisible, unknowable, divine. Uh, so the Lord is, uh, he sometimes refers to that as a divine human, mm-hmm. which is, uh, he, this is God as you can, this is God as a person, which is, God is a person, but God is infinite, so you can't, the, the infinity of God, you can't directly sync up with this, just not possible with your finite mind, but God can present in a way in which we can understand and interact, and that, as I understand it, I don't know, this is like the stuff I have taken the least care to memorize, but but as I understand it, uh, there it's pure speculation. You know? <laughs> it, th- that uh, manifestation of the divine truth that, that you can actually see and in, interact with, like a person, it, is this the Lord? He has this passage that, or this metaphor he uses more than once, where he's saying, "Think about you're just trying to focus on a, a being, an invisible being, and trying to connect with that. How can you do that? But think about a person." I'm paraphrasing, but a person that you love with 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 their arms open. Mm-hmm. This is the importance of of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. one aspect of mm-hmm. it. I know that you find in other places he's talking about the Lord as as the Word, which is which is uh, divine truth, and, and a few other things. But um, definitely, that's a part of it. The importance of the how it came into being. Oh, well, then, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll leave that for now. Karin, do you have uh, other thoughts? Yeah, I um, so I hope I'm understanding the the question, the meaning, the Lord rather than God, the underlying reality, and so I'll just keep going with that that you started, Curtis. So, yeah, the the Lord being the divine human adapted so that we can, like you were saying, be in relationship with our Creator, because as you were indicating, there's the aspect of like not being able to know something unknowable. So we need a knowable um, adaptation or layer or aspect of God that we can have a relationship that we can know enough to be in relationship with. And then there's also just the intensity of divine love that is, you know, (laughs) like if we were to try to hug the sun or something like we can't be near that intensity of divine love. So we need an aspect of God that we can hug basically um, that will not fry us into cinders with that intensity. But um, uh, yeah, that we, that we can be in relationship with. So God is at one time, this um, blueprint for what it is to be human but in this divine sense, this unknowable sense, this um, way too intense for us to get close to sense. And then the Lord seems to be this divine human brought all the way to the level and layers that we can reach and we can talk to and we can um, love and be and and understand how we're being loved, Um, things like that. So it, it is about having um, a way of relating to God and interacting with God and being in relationship with God. That is the Lord, the divine human, um, which I, you know, started with Jesus being born in the flesh, but Jesus was risen and is, is much more as the divine human for all, for all people and all the universe from what Swedenborg says. So yeah, it's, it's the aspect of the divine that we can interact with. I love it. And also, it sent me into a, a crisis here. I'm having a little <laughs> crisis because your first comment about the meaning of the question, I suddenly realized mm-hmm. I could well have been reading this this question inaccurately. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, I think we've covered our base as well when we're, we're talking about the Lord versus the divine. You know, the, mm-hmm. but, but also, it could very well be that Kendall is using the term the Lord, just Swedenborg often does, others do, just to, just to mean God. God, uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we could well be, and maybe everybody else already knew this as I, as I started down that path. We're talking about what is God and how did God start? <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's take a little time to answer that one <laughs> yeah. as well. And then no matter what, we'll have you know, gotten it wrong, but the right and gotten Ken, the right question. Kendall will forgive us, I'm sure. Kendall, <laughs> thank you for your forgiveness. It feels great. Okay, so what, what's that? Mm. What's God? Where did God uh, start? God is... Please infinite no beginning no end yeah um so god just is god is 
existence is actually a subset of God rather than how does God mm-hmm. fit into this. Mm-hmm. Good point, good point. And and some combination of uh, divine love and divine wisdom together, which, um, like a human being, is a soul, which is divine love, the equivalent to divine love, and a body, which is equivalent to the wisdom part. Like, the truth embodies goodness. That's what Swedenborg always says, that truth is is the embodiment of goodness, or wisdom is the embodiment of love. And that those two together are what can reach out and touch us somehow. Mm. Isn't it interesting um, that you can think of, oh, God is infinite. Infinite doesn't mean featureless. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. infinite. So there's just, I sort of, when I picture infinite, I just picture blank because Ah. there's so much of it. But that Swedenborg certainly says that God is infinite. But there are also very much distinguishable elements in God, like yeah. love and wisdom are, are the, the the two largest categories. Everybody talks about the divine proceeding, and the, mm-hmm. it's it's an infinity of things rather than a, a, a featureless soup of infinite something. Interesting. Yeah. I always think of infinite in terms of time, like no beginning and no end. Yeah. But that's another, like, that's a three-dimensional take on infinite right. Right, right, that right. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just to just add more characteristics, in my mind, you know, Swedenborg uses, and even the word uses, the comforter, the protector. God is not anger or judgment or wrath. He's, yeah. he's pure love and reaches us by means of wisdom. He's the alpha and the omega. He... He, he is nothing but short of someone that smiles at you. Yeah. That's who God is. Right, right. Which is actually maybe even the, the more, act, like this is the actual summary of God, if you had to do the cliff notes, rather than the technicalities of where does yeah. God go and, and how is God and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, so there's two answers to a question. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks very much, Kendall. Let's, uh, let's do another one. we still got time. Gloria Vargo asks, how do we find our particular peer group in heaven? Will we be shown or will we seek out others like ourselves? There is an mm. answer. Well, according to Swedenborg, anyway. What is it? What is that answer? So there, there is this idea, this teaching that you, there is a group for you. Mm-hmm. There is, listen, everybody's your group, right? We love everybody. We want, there's no distinction. And actually, we need to be careful that there's no distinction of how much good we want to do to everybody. Swedenborg talks about there are groups of people that very much love each other but don't care that much about the rest of the world and they're outside heaven because mm-hmm. heaven is there you absolutely want the well-being of everybody just as much as anyone else but there can very much be a group of people that you uh, mesh with and bond with and, or bond with and vibe with easily easily and completely and it's together that you do useful things and that there are these tight-knit groups just like there's the body, and the body cares about the body, but yet there needs to be little cells and little tissues, and it's distinct because that's how you get things done. So, how do we, how do you get in there? How do you know that you're in the right spot? How does that, that process take place? Well, love, <clears throat> I think of love as being kind of like a magnet. I mean, like it's a magnetic force, right? Like, yeah. like a gravity, mm-hmm. so that we're drawn to. Uh, Swedenborg says love brings presence, in, or in thought brings presence in, in the spiritual world. world. Right, right. Thought brings presence, and love brings union. So somehow it's by acting on what we love, what we care about the most, that um, will bring us to the people with the same passions. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of how like uh, you could imagine like the feeling you have you've, if you've experienced someone. Like, uh, like, or if you experienced fellowship at all, like just someone who just downright loves you for who you are yeah. and you just love because, uh, you just find a connection with someone. There's just like this, this like, yeah, like you just magnetic attraction. It's just like, uh, I imagine that, but like heightened a million times when mm-hmm. you find people in heaven that, uh, that, uh, who jive so well with what drives your life. Yeah, in such a specific and remarkable way, it's like it's like family. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. but in family, in the relationship to who you are as in your DNA and your and in your operating system, yeah. um, that depth of fellowship is something that you're kind of like 
like the Lord's bringing you through a pathway where you can eventually find those kind of people. And maybe like you'll find a house there. I think we did a a show on that um, worth mentioning. Um, But yeah, it's just like uh, the, I can't even, I, I, I just like almost get emotional thinking about the kind of love you're going to feel when you finally know that this is your home. You know, yeah. that kind of level. Right. Love it. And no getting emotional on this show. No, this I'm not no, downright sober. Do. This is not part yep. of the culture here. No. Um, the show that he's talking about <laughs> was How to Get a Home in Heaven. Uh, and Karen, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on the whole thing. Yeah, I think it was important what you were saying, Curtis, in that when you find your peer group, it's not... If it's in heaven, it's never like gated community. And ah, now I don't have to deal with those other people. I was thinking of the analogy of a theatrical performance and you you want to be a part of this show and put it on, but maybe you try the acting part and that's not quite for you. And you realize, oh, but I love doing the lighting. And, and I just really jive with these lighting people. And we love the actors and we love the musicians and and we're here to support them, but I just feel so good with my little uh, lighting group, and you know we we uh, work together well. So that kind of thing. Um, as far as like yeah, like Kara and Chris were saying, you're just drawn there by your heart, and your your feelings, what you care about, and also your interests. Your you know what you're interested in doing. Um, but as far as how it actually happens. I bet there's, like we were saying before about who you first, (laughs) is there a group to meet you? Infinite variety, um, because I'm thinking of different descriptions of Swedenborg saying how this happens, that people end up in their community. I remember, uh, you know, some, for some people, it seems like they just sort of rise up into it and there they are. They're so ready. And other people do a lot of wandering from you know, they try out this community for a while and then they try out this and, and they keep going until they find one that feels like kindred spirits and the right place to be. Um, for some people, they suddenly see a path and they feel like following it and they walk up it and it takes them to their community. Uh, so I think as far as how it happens would be tremendously full of variety, just like on earth. Like, how did you find your your partner that you end up marrying or whatever on earth. Well, everybody's got a story of how did you meet? Some people just like, so by chance, weird chance meeting and others grew up together. And, and as far as how do you find the job that really resonated with you? A zillion different stories about that. Some went through many jobs before they got there. Some women started right out from childhood. So infinite variety, I think, in how it plays out, but, in the end, it's your heart and your interests, your mind, um, draw you there and tell you when you're in the right place. And, you know, of course, it's all lovingly um, guided by God helping you along to find uh, find what your heart really wants. Yeah, well, it's a trick question. It's a trick <laughs> question. Will we be shown or will we seek it out, seek out others like ourselves? One of the great realizations that is the difference between the thinking in the world of spirits and the world of heaven, to tie that back in mm-hmm. like comedians do, is that part of what the heaven perspective is, is that divine providence is everything. And human prudence or, mm-hmm. or us scheming and moving mm-hmm. things doesn't really have any impact. It's, it's, all mm-hmm. div- it's divine providence and, and really where we, our agency is in cooperation mm-hmm. or non-cooperation with that. So... Will will we be shown, or will we seek out others like ourselves? It might feel like you're doing it, but this is. But in heaven, you you get to this realization of, I'm actually every step I take is a partnership with God, and God is God is the one that can calculate and steer and do everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, I would think even if you seek it out, it was if it's going to something good and true, that the only possibility for that action, we have no power to create a good thing. God does that, so so God mm. must have been mm. directing that in whatever way the, the providence does it. Amen. Um, yeah. So and but uh, the results the same. You're gonna get to go and feel like like we were talking before. I'm settled. I'm here. I'm with the people I want to be with. But that's not the that's not this is like the end of the show. Okay. That's not that's not the point. We here we can think 
The point is to get life set exactly like we want. The credits will roll if I just get the right friends and the right job and the right situation. Uh, but there, that's the starting point. Okay, I've finally logged into this mm. machine. Now we go and do whatever we're supposed to go and do. And that's what's <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we're, we're getting to the end of our time here. So I just want to say we really appreciate yeah. you spending this much time with us. You've been willing to ask questions and willing to put up with our answers. <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot more this week, and we'd love to have you a part of it. First of all, like and subscribe. It allows us again mm. to get out into the world. And then also we have news from heaven coming up. Uh, this is going to be Thursday. We have a show called There's a Reason That You're Not Rich. And then Saturday, evil people can be more useful to God. Mm. So some very heavy hitting, controversial mm. episodes of news from heaven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, short clips. We got the, the poll. Result. Chris, do you want to talk about what happened here? Yep. So every Monday we release a poll. Sometimes it's Tuesdays, but mostly it's Mondays. And we're getting so many votes. It's been awesome. Um, almost 800 uh, last week. And so stay tuned. Do our guardian angels choose us? And is it possible to be bored in the afterlife? That's coming out this week, Wednesday and Friday. That's right. Cool. And then next Monday, we're going to debut our new season with the episode, How to Find Lasting Inner Peace. Doesn't sound so bad, right? Mm -hmm. And then the Monday after that, we'll be back with Swedenborg and Life Live, where we'll be asking, will the devil be released after a thousand years? And, uh, you know, what do you do between now and then? So it's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming up. Thank all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Karin, for, for being part of this. It's an honor. It was a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Yep. And we're going to uh, hopefully have you with us as we embark on these new content adventures. And uh, mm. we couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks so much for being interested. And let's take what we learned today and go out and apply it to the world, right? Amen. Amen. Okay. Bye, everyone.